in a moment we're going to welcome Norman up, but let me just really take this opportunity to honour this guy. Um, Norman is a hero of mine. Uh, he is passionate about God, and uh, he's... Uh, been really the dri- one of the main driving forces behind this event and has pulled a great team together who have uh, put on what you uh, see around you. And I just want to really honour Norman and uh, I would love it if we could just put our hands together for Norman as he comes to preach to us now. Even got a lectern, my height. Look at this. Great. I did want to just... Uh, uh, just say again about Mike's book. I found this so helpful. Uh, it is indeed a manifesto. It's not sort of book you would just uh, sit down and read in one go. I think it's a book that needs to be studied. But if you're wondering little details about what we're doing in relational mission, this book is a must. I've read it twice and I'm going to read it again. I'd also like to recommend to you uh, Dirty Glory, which is by Pete Gregg, who's going to be with us tomorrow. I've read this twice and made notes on it. I found this such an amazingly challenging book on prayer. So those two books are on the bookstore at the back there and lots of other books that I know you will enjoy. Would you like to open your Bibles to Ephesians, please? Ephesians chapter 3. Of course, it's Friday, you've had a a busy week, Uh, you've come to the end of the week, and now you have a little fellow standing up who's going to teach you some mathematics. Wouldn't that be just great? That's exactly what you hoped for, wasn't it, when you got the children organised for this evening? Well, I put up here, it's algebra, but not as we know it. In Mike's book, one of the things he brings out is this thing of E plus E equals C. What does that stand for? Well, it stands for enough prayer combined with everyone a witness leads to a vibrant church. And isn't the vibrant church what we're looking for? Isn't the vibrant church exactly what this nation needs, isn't it? And so I'm just going to give you one or two details on this. And I'm hoping to bring some challenge to you as well as we just uh, look at the next uh, half an hour together. But I want to read to you first from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. This is what Paul says. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What an amazing verse to get uh, in a letter from Paul. Can you imagine receiving this? Now to him who is able to do. He's got so much detail in this verse. It says, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Prayer, and uh, enough prayer, is about asking God. It's about being absolutely clear with God and saying, God, we want to see your kingdom come. Lord God, we want to see change come into our nation. We want to see your glory. We want to see uh, boys and girls, teenagers, older people, once again knowing why they're alive. Knowing that there's a God in heaven who loves them. No longer trying to fish around, trying to find some value in the things they're doing and the houses they're buying. Although those things, there's nothing wrong with them. But to say, I found the reason that I'm here. 
And Paul says, God is able to do something immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. But it's not according to us. It's not to do with us. And uh, this weekend, where I've really been very keen that we would uh, go through this weekend, we'd have fun, we'd enjoy uh, one another's company, we'd eat together, we'd hear great preaching, but that we'd also feel we've really been equipped. We've been given some detail, something to chew on, something to say, I now am a bit more clear about what I'm doing and why I'm part of the church. And Paul says, it's to do with his power. It's to do with his power, and he says it's not just some ethereal power that is, you know, in uh, theory, but he says it's a power that is at work within us. Look at your neighbour and then say to them, God's power is at work in you. Now, I suppose I should ask your neighbour, did they sound convinced when they said that? (laughs) Hey, listen, it is Friday evening. So at the end of a a, a week, you and I are just human beings, and uh, yes, we do get tired and, you know, we run out of energy, but the Bible says that God's power is within us. And then it gives us a bit of detail, and it says it's at work within us. In other words, we're in a process. I've been a Christian since I was 14, but I still find that God is speaking to me on a daily basis. He's still trying to produce something in me that is to his glory. Isn't he doing the same with you? I do hope he is. And he says the result of all this is that there's going to be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. And it's not going to be in one little generation. It's going to be throughout the generations. Don't you long for God's glory once again to be seen in our nation? I long for the name of Jesus Christ not to be used as a swear word anymore, but to be used as one who is reverent, who is honoured, and, and who is hoped in, and, and who is, is given the glory in our lives. That's what I long for. And uh, this verse it doesn't just come out of the blue. It's a verse that is based upon the whole reason that Mike has brought this enough prayer. Because it's not just a case of being driven to pray. In fact, Mike says this in his book, he says, if you are praying about a problem without knowing who God is, all you are doing is worrying out loud. I find that so helpful. Let me read that to you again. If you're praying about a problem without knowing who God is, you are, all you are doing is worrying out loud. And so Paul is not, he's saying this is what's possible. But if you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18, he's, well, he's in the middle of praying for the Ephesian church. And I believe he, he, he would be praying for us if we were alive at his time. And in verse 18, he says these words. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. I like that sort of prayer, don't you? This is what Paul is praying for them. And then he's saying, this work is in you. He's saying, I want you to know God better. I don't want you just worrying out loud. I want you to know God better. And as we've been getting together in our uh, clusters or whatever they are, and we've been praying together in enough prayer, that's what we're doing. We're, we're saying, God, we, we know who you are. 
But the, the problems are huge in this nation. But they're not so huge that you cannot bring an answer. And so, Lord, together we are coming and we are, we are asking the one who created the earth. We are asking the one who is the glorious one. We're asking the one who has actually changed and revived us. And we want the same thing to happen to others as has already happened to us. Isn't that good? It's what I live for. It's what I want to see. How do we do this in Berry? I wonder, you know, uh, last October, I handed over the leadership of the church to um, a guy called Dave Richardson, who's been a, grown up in the church in Berry, and he's doing things so differently to the way I did them. But I love it. I don't know if you ever watched uh, Father of the Bride. In Father of the Bride, there was a, a guy called Frank, and Frank appears, and they say, he comes in and he says, I change everything. Well, that's what David's been doing. He's been bringing something new, something fresh. Not that what we were doing was wrong, but he's been bringing something so fresh into our praying. And uh, we get together in groups of three uh, in a whole meeting. I've always worried about. Um, I'm always worried about the mathematical ability of Christians. You know, you say to them, "Get yourselves into three, and there's five of them all going. Oh, how many three? Uh, but anyway, we get together in sort of threes. It's a, it's a bit like charades because he comes round and tells us what to pray for next. But it isn't charades because it's the real thing. And we've been praying. But we've been combining this with the other part of the mathematical equation, which is everyone a witness. And so we've been finding, as we've been praying, God has been empowering us with things like words of knowledge and so on, and thoughts that actually we're now beginning to take outside the church onto the streets. And so it's, prayer has become really exciting. Quite recently, um, at a prayer meeting, actually I wasn't at. I don't think I could make it. I, I think I can't remember exactly how it went now. But um, a, a word of knowledge was about somebody wearing a particular sort of hat or something and they would be met in the street. In fact, one of the uh, team uh, saw a group of people. I think I've got this story right. If I haven't got this story right, never mind. I always tell them better than they really are. So... Uh, Anyway, it went up to the, it saw this person with whatever they were wearing that was appropriate and it was mentioned in the prayer time while we'd been praying together and said, and the word had been something about they have somebody who'd suffered loss. And as I understand it, there was this girl in there and uh, they were approached by one of the team and uh, they said, uh, uh, have you suffered loss? At which point the other said, don't go there with her. And she started to bawl and cry. And the person said, I need to tell you why I've asked this question. Because God has given us a sense that you are loved by him particularly. Hey, listen, this is together prayer. This isn't, oh, we've got to go to the prayer meeting. Oh, another prayer meeting. This, this is vibrant. This is exciting, isn't it? I mean, it's Friday, but you can, you know, sort of give me a bit of encouragement. Isn't it? I found that so exciting. I, I feel like I've been born again and again. I, I, you know, I'm so pleased that I handed over to David. I've never done it like this. It's so exciting. And you know, the thing of everyone a witness, you know, we could say, oh, crumbs, I've got to talk to people about Jesus now. But when you're coming out of a prayer meeting, a prayer time, where there's, God's been speaking to you about people and giving you hope, everything changes. Now, enough prayer 
is exactly that. It's saying, God, we have come to the conclusion from reading the Scriptures that you are enough. God, we have come to the conclusion from reading the Scriptures and experiencing for ourselves what you've done, that God, now we believe that together we can see your kingdom come as we talk to people. That is exciting. And suddenly witnessing doesn't seem to be so difficult because you know God's on your case. Mike says something very helpful to me in his book. Actually, he says a lot of things that are very helpful to me, but one particular thing. He said, you know, one of the things that's happened in the church over the generations is this, is that they've only ever heard the success stories. And then when they meet a failure, they're not ready for it. And they think they're a failure because, oh, but everybody else always has success. Listen, I'm going to tell you one or two of things that I've personally found in this area and how I've had to be just helped by God in this. I've got two dogs, two black Labradors, and I live near um, uh, a lovely big park in a village village I live in. And uh, I've been meeting people over ten years Uh, just talking to them, chatting with them, that sort of stuff. And uh, one guy I met, he uh, he, he talked to me quite a lot, and um, we would talk and chat and talk about this and that, but I would talk to him about Jesus. And one day, one day he said to me, look, why do you keep talking to me about Jesus when you know I don't believe? Now, that was a sort of, push off and sling your hook comment. And I almost pushed off and slung my hook. But I felt God saying, go on, tell him, you know the answer. So I said to him, well, it's like this. I said, if you go out on a summer's evening with your wife and suddenly out of the corner of your eye, you see a shooting star, Don't you want to grab your wife and say, look at that, did you see it, did you see it? I said, it's not my fault I'm like this. I've seen something and I can't keep it to myself. At which point, Mr. Pushoff and Sling Your Hook said, oh, I see. (laughs) And Mr. Oh, I see then came to church on two occasions. And Mr. OIC went home one day and surrendered his life to Jesus. Is that, I I don't think we should be afraid of successes. That's one in ten years. Don't forget, the book of Acts lasts 33 years. And we can read on every page. But it wasn't like that every day. There's 33 years there. We can get, we can build it all up so high, and I nearly pushed off and threw a slung my hook. But I felt God say, "Go on, tell him, tell him." Do you know what's happened now? Mister OIC has joined a sort of group in the hospital that visit people, visit patients, and pray for them. So once a week now, Mister OIC is visiting patients. And he's doing what I can't do. So this is far more than you ask or imagine. God is able. You might just have a little conversation coming out of a conviction that God is enough, and suddenly God's on your case. And actually, Mr. OIC is here this evening. There he is.
What about this one then? This is number two in ten years. Went to a party at the local pub with my wife, 60th birthday party, met this couple, um, and we discovered actually that as boys we'd lived in a similar part of London. So a friendship sort of grew up, and I see him occasionally, we'd walk our dogs together, we'd chat, we'd exchange our lives really. One day I saw him coming towards me and I said, Hi, Keith, how are you? You know, I'm, I'm intolerable early in the morning. <laughs> Some, I, I, I'll tell you later. So I said, hello, Keith, how are you? And then I looked at him and said, you're not all right, are you? And he said, no. He said, actually, I've had diarrhea for quite a few weeks. And he said, I said, are they worried about the possibility of cancer? He said, yes. And I said to him at that moment, I said, Keith, I don't know whether I've told you this, but I'm a Christian and I'd just like to pray for you. Can I do that? Now, I tend to just say that and I don't give them the opportunity to say no. I simply put my hand on his shoulder and I said, Lord Jesus, would you make my friend well? And by the way, would you give him peace in his heart as he goes through these tests? He told me he was going through a major test. He said, thank you very much. And I didn't see him for two, probably two months. And I was in another part of the woods, a path I don't normally walk, because people do try and avoid me, it's true. And, (laughs) And I suddenly saw him walking towards me. And I'd been praying for him, and I didn't know what the detail was, and I said, Lord God, I hope this is good news, but I'm going to ask him anyway. And I saw him coming towards me, and I said, Hello, Keith. How are you? And tell me, how is your health? And this is what he said. He said, your God. And then he hesitated. And he said, and my God has made me well. Wow. Oh, thank Look, I, I, I'm not telling these stories, but any other reason to say, we can do this. We can do this, it comes out of the conviction that God is enough. It comes out of the conviction that actually we're not on our own. It comes out of the conviction that we bring these things to him in prayer and then we go, everyone a witness, just being who we are. Needing nudges, needing... Do you know, I I, I was talking to Pete just the other day, so easily I could have backed off when he he said, why do you keep talking to me like this? So easily I could have said... Uh, you know, you're, you're sick, oh, I hope you get better. But I thought God said, no, just offer what you have. The gift, the Bible says, is acceptable according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. And there's a God in heaven who loves people and he wants us to show his love to others. I just want to bring you a challenge. There are two verses, and when I was a young man, I read, I heard Terry Virgo preach on this verse from Psalm 78. And I, I was undone and uh, I, I, I was challenged. Psalm 78 says this. It's about men who were warriors. In the past they had been great warriors, men of Ephraim. And Psalm 78 says this. The men of Ephraim, though armed with bows turned back in the day of battle. I've done that. 
Haven't you done that? They were armed with both. See, they had everything they needed. They had the, the, the very latest weaponry. It's, you know, because of, of their time. And listen, we have resources, the Bible tells us, resources that will never run out. And yet, how easily I turn back on the day of battle. How easily I look at myself and think, yeah, but they'll think I'm an idiot. Yeah, but it won't work. Yeah, but... Are you like that? Or am I the only one? I'm like that. If you're like that, just put your hand up for a moment. You know, as they all say, God sees this hand. But listen, I, I want to say to you, I've told you two stories in ten years, but I'm like that. I forget what God is like. I forget how good he is. I forget he's enough. But I need you and you need me to tell you and to encourage you and say, he's enough. And it is out of the praying and it's out of the personal witnessing and say, and do you know in, in Berry, I forget exactly how David calls it this, but we, I, I call it chats and splats. <laughs> so there are times when we just get together when we've been out or the week's gone on and we talk about the chats we've had and the splats we've had. The splats are where you said, you know, you, you felt God had given you a word of knowledge and you went up this person and you said, now, listen, God loves you and they go, push off. <laughs> Mike opened his book with that, the challenge of the guy on the train who'd been on the phone and Mike, felt, and Mike then put a challenge to God and said, you know, if this and if nobody else is in the station and nobody else was in the station, it was all going greatly until the guy said, I'm not interested. It's normal life. It's how we are. Because people have a choice whether they at that moment will accept Jesus or not or listen to what you've got to say. But, according to his power, I've discovered that somebody can be spoken to one moment and then months later God can start to bring that back to their memory. And anyway, I or you might be only one little cog, as it were, in the whole gambit of conversations that go on with this person that actually is gradually waking them up from their death sleep. And we always look at it and say, oh, no good. And God says, will you not just do what I call you to do? We don't know what happened to that man on the train. But we do know that Mike spoke to him. And uh, I believe the angels say, well done, Mike. It cost you a lot to do that. I, I, I want to celebrate the splats as well as the chats. I want to have something to talk about where even if it's a splat, I can say, I at least obeyed God, don't you? We face the choice. But I don't want to leave it there. I want you just to look uh, uh, at 1 Chronicles. If you go to 1 Chronicles, there's a list of loads of people. But, you know, the lists in the Bible are there for a reason. And this is what it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, uh, verse 32. It says this, The men of Issachar, who understood the times and knew what, e- what Israel should do. That's how it describes them. The men of Issachar, who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Do you know, I reckon that could be written across the whole lot of you. You Issacharites, 
You do know what God can do. You do in your heart because you've already experienced it for yourself. But we're not going to be like men of Ephraim, are we? Well, yes, the answer is I am at times. But I need you to help me not to be like a, a men of Ephraim. I need you to encourage me to be a man of Issachar who understood the times. It says somewhere else they were men of a different spirit. I love what um, uh, Matthew Henry says. Matthew Henry says this. He says, they were weather-wise. They understood public affairs. They understood the mood of the nation and the tendencies of the present events. These guys read their newspapers and didn't get depressed. They read their newspapers and then said, God, we believe you're enough. We believe you are sufficient to change hearts, don't you? I love that little verse in the Bible where this guy comes up to Jesus and said, I do believe, please just help my... I love the Bible because it's honest. And when I read the Bible, I see myself. I see it all there. I say to Jesus, I do believe, but help my unbelief. I want to share briefly a dream I had some time ago. Two years ago, I was on holiday in Greece. While everybody else was at home working hard. I had a dream. I had a dream like a dream I've never had before. I found myself down in the Brighton area. And I was working on a, a small clock. That amuses me for a start. I was working on this clock that hadn't gone for years. And people were rushing by me. And in my dream, I was singing to them. I was singing, don't you know? Don't you know that he loves you? And they were looking at me really strange and rushing on. And I was working on this clock. And then suddenly I got the clock in my dream to start working again. And suddenly people were saying, what? The clock is working again? And they asked me a question in my dream. They said, what does this mean? And I had the opportunity to then explain John 3, 16 to them. And, and they, they were changed in my dream as the reality of what John 3, 16 meant. And it was interesting, they turned their back on me and started to stop their friends who were also rushing down. It was sort of like a little alleyway where people tried to get the train or to get the, the bus and they were rushing on. And they turned their back on me and then started to speak to their friends about the fact that God loved them. And in my dream, there were two things that seemed very important. Number one, I felt God say to me, the time is really important. And the second thing was that I woke up actually weeping. And I was weeping, and I felt that... uh, the, the verse Psalm 126.6, uh, uh, verse 6 was what was in my heart, where it says, um, those who go forth with a bag of seed, weeping, will return again, carrying sheaves with them. And I actually woke up weeping and thinking, the time is important. And what was interesting was, I thought, I must get out and write this down. And I looked at my watch, and it was, what was very, very uh, strange to me, it was 5.31. 
Now, I'm a mathematician. I, I used to teach mathematics. And that is a very odd number. In fact, every one of the numbers is odd. But I want you to know, I feel God is saying, the clock is like the church. You see, once upon a time, people used to take their understanding of what was right and what was wrong by looking at the church. They would find the time, the times of the time, by looking at the church. But since the clock has stopped working, they ignore the church and they get their own time from their own understanding of what life is. This is where your friends are. This is where my friends are. It's not their fault. They're getting their understanding from what they understand from the news and the books they've read. But actually, the job of the church is to start chiming the times again and saying, no, that is not right. There is one in heaven. Who sets the time of the times? And do you know what? We are living in very odd times. We're living in times where things that are thought to work don't work. When people make predictions of results and they're wrong. But we're living in a time when God says, Church, church. Will you, will you put the E plus the E together and will you become once again the vibrant church? The church where every individual is trying to their best collectively and individually to obey God. And it will, there will be splats, but there will be chats that lead to God. And there will be, once again, in this nation, a vibrant church. That's why I think it's four times in scripture, the scripture says this, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. Angela, would you like to come and just lead us? I just ask Angela, she'd just come and lead us in response and uh, uh, whatever else she has in mind.